welcome to Sunnydale Study Group, the podcast for returning Scoobies and Buffy newbies. This is not a discussion of Buffy. In fact, this is a very special extra credit that we are doing uh, as uh, sort of like a halfway, like, we're sorry that we were gone for so long, and also halfway, we just need to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Omar. I'm Chris. And today, we'll be discussing the Patty Jenkins 2017 film, Wonder Woman, which yeah. is out in theaters right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, when this is coming out, it will be approaching the third weekend that this film has been out in theaters, mm-hmm. uh, I believe internationally. So we will be discussing it. Um, some of you have m- might have not seen the film, although based off of box office numbers, a lot of you have seen the film. Yeah. Uh, but in case you haven't, we will be diving into spoilers. But before we do, let's go ahead and give like one or two thoughts, completely non-spoilery thoughts to prepare people or just to encourage them or dissuade them from watching, depending on your opinion, which we haven't even discussed between us yet. Right. Yeah, we so yeah. uh, if you could say one or two things to people who haven't seen Wonder Woman yet, what would it be? I would say that it is the most, how's the worst, what's the word? The most, oh, sorry, I'm going to have to cut this out, Omar. I would say that its tone is the most well-crafted tone since the first Christopher Reeve Superman film. Awesome. And that it's something, you know, it's been, what, 75 years in the making. And at this point in time, of course, I'm so happy to see her up there. And I'm happy to see people just flocking to see it again and again and again. Yeah. I would say if you're a Buffy fan or a Firefly fan, you're going to get a lot out of the movie. And you should go not expecting a Criterion masterpiece, which I know a lot of people have been going in sort of like and their expectations needed some adjustment because it is a superhero film. Yeah. But know that it's also really good. Just mm-hmm. get into it. And it's going to be a really important film that we're going to be talking about for a long time, so might as well be part of it. Exactly. You know, like, people, like, didn't read Harry Potter, and they're like, I didn't read Harry Potter. I'm like, why didn't you? You should have. We were all they, talking about it. Yeah. There's this weird phenomenon that I feel like should have a name for it that's kind of, like, almost like the hype bubble. Mm-hmm. Like, if you build the hype with something, you're in. Mm-hmm. If you don't catch the hype bubble you either are incredibly opposed to it or you have to like break down a mental blockage surf the hype you need to surf the hype surf the hype great yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. so there it is uh there is our non-spoilery discussion of wonder woman and now we're gonna go ahead and step into our library and talk about the film in its entirety let's let's head on in all right, now that All right, the... so Lupin is Aries. Right, right. <laughs> let's just get, let's just rip the bandaid off. Right. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to get to Aries in a second because I have a lot to say on Aries. Um, but this is our Wonder Woman special, and I'm so, let me just say right off the bat, I'm so happy that we get to have a special talking about Wonder Woman, especially oh, yeah. on our Buffy podcast because Joss was so heavily involved with the Wonder Woman film back in the day when yeah. it's going to be Colby Smulders. yeah. Which would have also been fantastic. Um, which would have been a, a fantastic casting, uh, and uh, and and he saw it. He 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 saw the film and he tweeted about it and he he enjoyed it. He loved it. What was Joss's tweet? Uh, I can pull up this specific one in a second. Okay, cool. But it was like he saw it and he was just like, boom, it's there. It's like Wonder Woman's on screen. This is yeah. great. Uh, and so that is the coolest. Like, that's kind of how I want to, like, open up this discussion. Yeah. Or start a discussion of just, uh, 
of, of I love the fact that this was a Joss thing and then he saw it and was just like you did it like that's so cool for us as a Buffy podcast that's a huge deal mm-hmm. um, what did you th- yeah let's go ahead and start this off what did you think of it I think that it is it's no question to me one of the best superhero films ever mm-hmm. and uh, I've been I know we don't necessarily see eye to eye on this I enjoy much of what Marvel has done, but I've been pretty frustrated for a while. Sure. And when I was look when this came out and it was just so exciting, what I loved about this film was that it was like this is a story that you're meant to watch and experience here right now. Whereas I felt like many of the Marvel films ever since they went like crazy with franchising felt like I needed that I was waiting for something or that I'd forgotten about why to care. And right. I even felt that in Guardians 2 where it was like the climax of the film revolves around something that isn't even dealt with in the second film, like the whole like Yandu daddy thing. It's like, oh, but they set it up in the first one. And it's like, but I'm watching this one. Right, right. And, and so uh, this might be mild spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen Guardians 2, but that's as far as we're probably going to go. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but I, <clears throat> I mean... The big obvious awesome thing is that it's Wonder Woman and that in the great age of the roaring of the patriarchy roaring its ugly head in a intense way historically that having a figure like Wonder Woman be so universally embraced yep. is very encouraging to the world. Um, but I think that even within that, Diana's adventure is so just followable and she is incredibly just charismatic Mm -hmm. and I just love the character. It's a character that I've kind of had trouble wrapping my head around as a kid because you're, you know, for me, it's like I'm a young boy. I didn't really start to like really become super cheering for female heroes until Buffy and Xena. Right, right. And so oh, Buffy... Xena's huge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So probably Xena even before Buffy where I was like, oh, girls or women mm-hmm. can also be these epic action heroes. And so, you know, and watching Leia as a kid, but Leia wasn't really an ultra action hero. Yep. And so Wonder Woman was always this kind of antiquated idea. Like I almost categorized the Linda Carter stuff with the Adam West Batman stuff mm-hmm. where it was so like 60s, 70s vibe that it just felt like something so ancient. Right, right. And that there had never really been a representation of Wonder Woman until the uh, Justice League animated series Mm -hmm. in which it was like, okay, Wonder Woman's badass. But then, of course, in that still, she's playing third fiddle to Batman and Superman where I know uh, William Moulton Marston, the creator, he was actually incredibly frustrated when Wonder Woman was included in the Justice League because it was like, no, the point of Wonder Woman is that she's not led by right by these male figures and that Justice League did her an injustice mm-hmm. by making it be like, okay, Superman is the leader of all these superheroes. Right. Yeah, but... Which yeah. has been funny to me because, like, I don't know. I, 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 I don't quite see Superman as, like, the guy who would be, like, the leader of, like, a team. I think he'd be the guy who tried. I think he'd be, like, the team captain. Yeah. But he wouldn't be the coach. No, exactly. I can see Bruce being, like, needing to control everything. Yeah. Or I can see Wonder Woman. Like, I see Diana, like, controlling everything. Yeah. Or is someone else, like, you know, I don't know, like, Booster Gold's, like, agent or something. But, like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
It's so, so fun. Even how how run like works in a team. Yeah. Right. That's like its old gig. Yeah, I think that they were going based on recognizability to the public audience. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, but to finish a thought quick, and then I want to hear your thoughts because I'm sure they will be <clears throat> very wonderful. Uh, is I was watching this, and I saw this Infinity War poster Photoshop that a fan made, mm-hmm. and I counted, I believe, twenty four mm-hmm. male heroes. Wow. And four females that were Gamora. Okay. It was. I love Gamora. It was awesome. It was Gamora. It was uh, Scarlet Witch. It was um, Black Widow. And I believe that it also maybe had like a fan arted Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it was that many, like they've had two Guardians of the Galaxy films, they've had two Avengers films with two more on the horizon. And they haven't made a single film led by a woman, a woman. So let's talk about that. Let's. I, I like. I want to talk. And about I know we're the, talking about this without a woman present. Right. Present, so. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but it, so it's so I um, when I moved to Los Angeles, I got the opportunity to to work for a lot of companies that were sort of just outside WB or were like had first look deals with WB or like worked with WB, right? It's like WB gets so many scripts, they can't possibly process them all. So they have other companies look and develop projects and stuff, right? And so I worked at a few of these companies. And so I kind of was um, uh, privy to a lot of the Wonder Woman discussions that were happening back in the day. And every time they try to revive like the project and I kept, Telling and not that I was a huge person of influence. I didn't live in the water tower, but uh, you weren't. I was a maniac. Or not. No, <laughs> uh, but are you just gonna have? Are you just gonna chug vitamin C? Oh, you're gonna put it in. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm just drinking vitamin C powder. It's actually, um, it's actually cyanide. I'm, I'm done. Oh, okay, I'm done. I'm checking it out. Like that guy who pops up cyanide pill. Yeah. yeah, a little reference to Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> and Steve Trevor was just like, yeah, no, he's dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, also, go listen to Jason and Ashley's review. Of yes. Course. Yes. Jason and Ashley interview the woman who played Wonder Woman on the Justice League. So she's the best. Yeah. I mean, she's um, up until, and I love Linda, but like she was the Wonder Woman I grew up with. Oh yeah, no question. Was yeah. really like I was like I was like oh my god, and when she turned into when Cersei turned into a pig and Batman had to watch over her. Yes, <sighs> I love that episode. That I don't know episode. what it is. I don't know what it is, but she's got the little gauntlets. It's so great. Yeah. I think it's also I want to be a pig. So. It's like, to me, it was like a, do? a positive fanny episode. It's like just for like a day. I'd love to be a pig. Pigs are so smart. Yeah. I mean, Herbert the, the Razorback proved that he can escape and live oh, undercover anything. for all yeah. these years. <laughs> but it's, so I, so I was around, and, and so um, I felt very personally invested in this film, not because I got to work on previous versions of it, but I heard those conversations where people were talking about, we can never do it. We can never do it because men won't go see this film. And they're like, we can't rely on women to go see a film. We won't make enough money. Or women don't even want to go see a, a, a powerful woman film. Like, these were the conversations that were happening, like, when I first moved to Los Angeles, like, Jesus. what, six or seven years ago. And I would just butt in every so often to people who were supervisors or producers and just be like, just so you know, I, I think that's wrong. Like, I don't think that's true. And I was constantly told, well, you're an anomaly. Like, you, maybe you would go see it, but, like, men don't want to see this. Like, men don't want to see a woman, like, lift a truck up and be strong. And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I'm positive that, like, all the DC nerds want to see a Wonder Woman film. I think you're crazy. Yeah. And it 
I didn't allow myself to accept that this movie existed until I sat down in the theater. Uh, I, I saw it all my birthday. I had to wait till the Monday after, so I didn't get to contribute to opening weekend oh, numbers, shit. unfortunately. But I contributed to the... Happy birthday. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Did I not say happy birthday? <laughs> I think you did. Okay. Yeah. Did we not do something? I was very tired. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it went, and sitting there, it you was... You didn't have... Did you, did I you didn't have, do anything. Okay. <laughs> I like, Jesus, did I miss... Okay. As we discussed in the earlier the episode from earlier this week, I started a new job. Yeah. Which we haven't discussed yet because we're recording these out of order. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I was sitting there, and then once it started and I heard her theme from Batman v Superman, it hit me that it was real and it existed, and I was sitting in a packed crowd on a Monday night. And I was like, it doesn't matter what... And I know this movie's going to be great. It doesn't matter what happens for the rest of this film, this to me is such a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's such a big deal. And um, Minzui, friend of the podcast, Minzui Karami. Hey, Minz. Had a really great, I think he had a really great review and a great response where he's like, maybe 10 years down the road, I'll look back and go like, oh, maybe that movie wasn't as good as I remembered it being. But he's like, but I'll remember that when it came out, it was the best movie that ever happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it was just, it's something we've been waiting for and it's so important. And it's so important because it's not like we just need a female superhero movie out there because there are a few and I'm not talking about like the the terrible examples that Perlmutter is going to use like Catwoman and stuff like that. Electra. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, those are like his go-tos. Like, they're... Who? Uh, Perlmutter, the horrible man at Marvel that like pretty much prevented Marvel from doing anything and also said that all black men look alike so you could replace War Machine. Jesus. And then Kevin had to kick him out of the conversations with Disney. In case you guys didn't okay. know. I rem- okay. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is coming back to me. Yeah. Uh, but he, he was also huge in Hollywood. was a huge proponent. Of, like, that's why he was like, Black Widow movie, kill it. No one's going to go see it. Stuff like that. And being there and just being like, yeah, but we're, but the thing is, it's not even like a political stand, which is stupid that like saying that like, I want to see a cool movie is political. That's dumb. But just being like, I want to see a great movie. And then them allowing a great movie to happen and us getting to watch it is a more rare thing than you'd expect. Yeah. Especially nowadays because we don't have like, you know, huge machines like Steven Spielberg getting to like push their weight around and stuff. It's so many like younger directors that are getting chances. Um, And it's so, that was the coolest thing for me. That was the coolest thing for me was just being like, you just, you finally give in to what we wanted. And then we all responded by going to see this freaking movie. Mm -hmm. Like, like people were freaking out and seeing it multiple times a week you know, like, to, to go check it out. It felt like when Lord of the Rings came out, and we are just like, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, because this is so awesome and so cool. This is a world that we, like, want to live in and spend time in. Yeah. Um, and so, like, it is it is a thing where there's so... And I think it's also people are like, yeah, it's like, there's feminist aspects to it, but it's also like an action movie. I'm like, no, but that's, this is what's great about Wonder Woman, and this is why I think that I'm so happy, is because Wonder Woman finally gives us the vocabulary to discuss this with. Those are married. Those are like the married, these concepts are married. It's not a thing of like, oh, it's a big deal, but also it's a really cool movie. It's like, no, these were never separate ideas. And that's why, like, it always drove me crazy because it's like, don't see it separately. Yeah. Like, the fact that you see that is just like this weird, like, sexism that's stuck in your brain. It's like that Scott Pilgrim chip you just need to yank out of the back of your neck or whatever, and then you're free, you know? Like, yeah. And then you can make movies that are this big and so cool and so awesome. And I know that there's a lot of people out there, not a lot, as the box office shows. This is the um, lowest drop-off for a contemporary superhero film for its second week. You know what the one right above it is? Avengers so the 1? the second least? No. Thor. Really? Yeah. I liked Thor 1. I like... Th- okay, so now let's get into the character of Diana really quickly because it ties into... So the whole... 
This movie is like five of my favorite movies and half of my favorite video games mixed into one mm. project. Yeah. And I'm a huge Thor fan. I Okay, so I don't know exactly how you stand on this. There are people who really like uh, the Spider-Man, Peter Parker characters, who are sort of like I feel like Peter Parker and Ray sort of in like this similar area where they're like undiscovered, quiet heroes that are like waiting for their calling to like yeah. shine on them, right? And when they get it, they'll like fight and like rise up for like the people who can't speak, and they're usually quiet and little like nebbish. Yeah. That's not me. Yeah. I'm like I love Thor so much because he's just like ah, I want the hammer. Give me the hammer. I'll go do some stuff. And yeah. if I break stuff, I'll apologize later. I'm not going to wait for my chance. I'm going to rise to the occasion, and I'm probably going to make a mess of it, and then I'll learn my lesson. Yeah. That, to me, is like the stories that I like. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, I'm not like, Spider-Man never got me in that sense, because it, I was never like, I'm not a quiet nerd. Like, I'm a very loud nerd. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. like throwing stuff around. Um, yeah. And just starting with Diana being this girl that just wants to jump into the fight, I was like, Yes. Mm. yes this is a character that i have wanted to see on screen for so long i feel like it got teased really well with thor mm. and i feel like it's more on the idea of thor than the actual execution of the character in marvel right this one just did it where she was just jumping over like crevices climbing up stealing swords doing all this stuff and it was so cool to see this character that they mixed that attitude with vulnerability um and kindness and softness as well as the general badassery and the ability to make mistakes mm-hmm. and to be human. That's, I don't, from, an act, from a writing perspective and an acting perspective and a directing perspective, how do you do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you go from walking in the trenches and having your heart broken to also then cutting World War I soldiers in half with your, you know? Like, that's yeah. such a difficult thing to pivot, and they do it so well. And I feel like they did a good job in Captain America, and I feel like we love Captain America because they did a really solid job. the first job. Avenger? First Avenger, Avengers, yeah. uh, Winter Soldier. I feel like they keep knocking Steve Rogers out of the park every time. And I think it's also Chris Evans is just so damn charming, you yeah. know? But he, I feel like he... For me, can't be a finisher thought, but I'm not he, as positive on the cap. Okay, all right. Yeah, because yeah, for me, he he's the closest in terms of leads... Uh, that has that sensitivity, um, but also can kick some butts. Mm-hmm. So, but how do you feel about what's your game making, that, was, that was me making a wish, by the way. <laughs> it's eleven eleven. I was making a wish. Uh, I think that to me, the Captain America movie is Avengers one. God, so you're you're not saying first Avenger is Avengers. You're Avengers saying by Joss. Cap is a prequel comic to. Avengers. The Captain America film, which mm-hmm. is Avengers. I was having this discussion with uh, Matt Acevedo, mm-hmm. who is a friend of the podcast, has yet to come on, but we got to get him mm-hmm. on, about, to me, striking a proper tone in a superhero tale is the most important achievement right. that a movie can make. Because the reason that I find the Watchmen film to be such a misrepresentation of what that book was supposed to be mm-hmm. is that Watchmen makes this commentary about how if caped heroes actually existed in our society, how would we treat them? And Watchmen has this very bleak perspective that we would think that they were insane people that we wanted right. to be imprisoned and that we would pass legislation to stop them. Mm-hmm. And so the film mistakenly in, in my view, even though he did um, this 
pop-up book of that that graphic novel, it just sort of made them superheroes. And I think that the reason I bring up Watchmen is the idea that people dressing up in funny costumes to fight crime is inherently... Silly. Silly. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Someone calling themselves Batman is silly. Mm-hmm. Someone calling themselves Superman. Someone donning a large cape. And Christopher Nolan did a great job of making that work. Yeah. But I think it's that... All, I mean, also a lot of the... Sorry to yeah, no, jump please, in, but please. like a lot of the Batman scenes are earned, or we get a lot of flexibility in the Batman scenes. And I, for me, I, Batman Begins always gets it because it takes so long to get the suit. Yeah. And it kind of like, so by the time we get to like the goofy looking mm-hmm. Batman, because Batman's a goofy looking guy. Yeah. Because he dresses like a bat, but not really. Like he's got ears sort of like, you know, like it's like yeah. not really a bat. Like if I, if you were to dress like a bat, you'd look like an animal bat. But no, he totally. dresses like a thing. But, they did a great, there, there was so much work. Batman Begins specifically, mm-hmm. that one, did so much work in justifying why someone would do that. Yeah. And it was his his head, his ears were antenna. Mm-hmm. It was turning yourself into a symbol. He didn't call himself Batman. The papers called yep. him Batman. Um, anyway, you were having a... Oh, no, that was a, that was a comment yeah. on that. So I think that with me, if movies are too serious... I don't really connect to them, and I think that I really like the first half of the first Avenger, and I'm not crazy about Winter Soldier, even though I know it's generally applauded as like the strongest of the Marvel films, but to me, the tone is just far more serious than I think I can accept. I get it. So like when you get that cap speech, you're like, yeah, but he still dresses with like a flag, and like that guy's a falcon. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. A little acknowledgement of the world that we're in, and I think that that's why I love the animated series so much of Batman and Superman. I adore the old Christopher Reeves' first two films. And I think that with Wonder Woman, you never hear them say it, do you? No. And also they don't stack heroes in Wonder Woman, which I think really allowed it. And I know that a lot of people, and we'll talk about this in a second, had an issue with Act 3 or kind of like had a response to it. Yeah. But like for the, let's say for the vast majority, it's just her so you can focus on it. And I I can see what you're saying with like, like, you know, Winter Soldier and stuff like that. And Civil War. It's like, you have a lot going on here, man. Yeah. Can I accept that this is a reality? Yeah. And I think that for me, for the most part, Avengers, I could. Because Mm -hmm. Joss's comedy makes it shine through. It's incredibly self-aware as to all this ridiculous stuff. I think that what was so great about Wonder Woman was that there was levity. Right. And that's. I want to shout out, we're going to talk about the cast in a second, more in depth. Uh, but you know who I think is not is a sung but deserves more songs hero of the of the film is Lucy Davis, who played Etta Candy. Mm-hmm. And Lucy Davis, uh, for uh, you know Anglophiles, was um, on The Office, The British Office. Yeah. And also, she's in Shaun of the Dead. Oh. Yeah. Um, and she is incredible. She's also very generous with Twitter mentions. I tweeted at her that she was great, and then she like responded, which. Famous people don't have to do. <laughs> it's very nice of her to do that. Uh, unfamous people don't have to either. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. No one. No, no one, has, one to. has to respond to anybody. No, you shouldn't demand yeah. attention from anyone. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't expect it. And I. And I don't feel that way about strangers because I don't. If I don't know you, uh, I don't know you. <laughs> strangers' choice. But she. I feel like Etta Candy did such a great job framing it. 
such a great job framing it and and was so well directed by Patty Jenkins to be funny as Etta, but also give us the sense of reality once we were in act two, like once we got to England and she was just like, oh, it's crazy that you have a sword, but also I'm not going to get scared of it. Like I'll just take it and this is something I accept because we've got bigger things with the war. So, you know, all right. And 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 she liked Diana so much. Exactly. Like the whole dress sequence, essentially the Clark Kent dressing sequence, yeah, yeah, um, was was fantastic. But let's dive into well, now that we're talking about them. Let's dive into some uh, of the, these side characters. I really want to shout out um, Saeed, uh, who played Samir. That was a great character, Sammy, yeah. uh, as he's referred to lovingly in the film. Um, that part made me his speech or his little bit made me cry so much. Before we talk about that, I didn't know that there were gonna be there was gonna be uh, like a like a magnificent seven seven samurai sort of feel mm-hmm. to the film. I didn't realize that there was, it was gonna be a team film. Yeah, for a, for a, a yeah. certain length. And when they went to the bar, I realized I hadn't felt that way in a movie since Indiana Jones. Okay, yeah. Where it's like they go to a they go to a pub. And you're getting these like ragtag like three musketeer guys, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And this is for me watching three. I, I think I saw Indiana Jones after I saw Three Musketeers because Three Musketeers is a Disney film, so it has less blood. Whereas Indiana Jones is really scary. My parents are like, no, you're not watching these three yeah. movies until yeah. you're not watching Nazi faces melt until you're a little bit older. Um, Good call. But his their inner their exchange when they're speaking a million different languages, great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I love that. And then. And I, I love characters who are good at stuff and are smart. And it's, like, sexy and fun to be smart. I'm not saying, like, it's an attractive quality, but it's just, like, it's cool to be smart, you know? And, like, mm-hmm. we feel, like, pretty great. Like, we can speak all these languages. And I loved it because I also saw Patty Jenkins retweet something where a little girl said that she wants to grow up and speak all these languages like Diana. Yeah. Um, but then later when he kind of talked about how we're all fighting our own struggles because he's an actor and he wants to play all these parts, but he has the wrong skin color. Yeah. Because that's not a period piece line of dialogue. That's a li- that, that, that line of dialogue is evergreen <laughs> at the current yeah. moment. Yeah. Samir was amazing. Um, let me pull up everyone else. Because uh, it was just across the board, just fantastic performance. Chris Pine, who... Let's talk about Steve Trevor for a second. I've never... I have never really thought much about Steve Trevor. <laughs> That's fair to say. I've, I mean, I've saw him in the animated movies. And, and I was like, comics, well, he's there. He's, he's a guy. Yeah, sure. Did he's Fillion voice him in the film? In the, in the animated? He might have. Fillion voices everyone with a job. I think even when Nathan Fillion voiced him, I was like, Steve Trevor is like a... Come back later sign on a doorknob. Just like <laughs> no real connection to that character ever. And right. he's been part of Diana's story since her creation. Mm-hmm. He's always just been there. And this was the first time that I actually really felt like his presence was made. And he that was also a character. acting when he's first being interrogated. I I was sitting there watching it and I was like, if I found myself in a bar next to Chris Pine, I'm buying him a drink. Because that was great acting. He's not acting to anything. That's just classic theatrical acting where he's being directed to resist telling the truth, but he can't. 
it's a great it's a great little scene yeah. it's a fun little scene i love that so much yeah he was so and I, the character of steve trevor is also a character that i love so much I, I just it, that's a character i want to see more and i feel like star lord gets a little close i feel like all these characters get close yeah and they went full in with steve trevor like first of all reversing the gaze of him in the tub awesome for you know you know so sociological reasons but also as a guy it's just like yeah uh it's it's pretty dope to show off in in like a safe setting like that's Mm -hmm. great you know like Mm -hmm. uh you're talking about those hot springs the hot spring scene where he's just like oh i did you know he's like standing there it's just like yeah if there's like a character you're throwing for eye candy for some and for others to be like i want to be that guy i'm just like i want to be that guy right now like (laughs) super dope just chilling in like a hot tub and i like that she that i loved the are you typical of a of for yeah for one of your kind? I'm like, above, above average. average. And I was like, thank Great. you for acknowledging yes. that. Yes, thank you like for acknowledging that we shouldn't feel like, uh oh, I'm not him. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no, no. This is something that is not. Common. Yeah, he. I mean, granted, there's several moments of conflict in the film um, that Wonder Woman then sort of overcomes and or has her way, which is you know. A, as the character is but also i feel like he is eventually he's initially supportive of her to a certain extent and then eventually fully supportive of her yeah um but also has his own thing going on and i'm not saying in terms of like um male sidekicks or whatever just in general i feel like this is how you can start to approach a character like that I feel like we don't get that in, in really any of these comic book movies. He's doing his own thing that put like the antagonist should push the hero into their conclusion. Like the Joker pushes Batman mm-hmm. in the Dark Knight. It's what makes the Joker such a great character. Um, and I feel like the same is with supporting characters as well. Mm-hmm. I feel like they should be doing their own thing and their journey helps push the main character or influence the main character into doing greatness. And Steve Trevor did that. And I really like that. And I'm also just such a sucker for a leadership movie that has severe sacrifice in it. I love the Joss Whedon sacrifice stuff that pops up every so often, like Coulson and everything. Spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen Avengers. But like, I love like Joss's like, death is real, and it happens, and sort of no one's safe. Yeah. And that's like a Joss thing. But I, and I appreciate that because it throws in, it raises the stakes. And it's a very effective way of raising the stakes. But I'm also just such a huge sucker for sacrifice. And I don't want to say too much because we haven't gotten too far in Buffy. But, yeah. uh, and there's a ton of sacrifice in Buffy, as I'm sure if you haven't watched it, you can imagine. But Steve Trevor's storyline really touched me because mm-hmm. it was that's what he was out to do. And him, it's not just a sacrifice of his life, but in that sense, it's not the sacrifice of his death. It was also the sacrifices of a life where he's standing there in the dance scene. And he is talking, he's like, they want to have jobs and have babies and live their lives. And she's like, what's that? And fall in love. And she's like, what's that like? He's like, I don't know. And that really touched me. That really, really touched me. And I really love that choice, you know, especially as folks who are putting so much aside to, you know, try to get into entertainment, not try to get entertainment, but try to make stories happen and do all this stuff. That was just a moment that really, really... um, rang true for me and it was also something I really appreciated I really appreciated the character of Steve Trevor yeah you know absolutely like even more than Kirk and I love Kirk I agree you know mm-hmm. <laughs> um Ewan Bremner 
who played Charlie, the marksman, but more importantly, the singer. Was he the guy from Trainspotting? Yes. Yeah, he well, he's like, like from the everything. Scottish guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I great like that to me felt like Pirates one acting. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I was just like, oh, yeah. we're right back in this. Great, I yeah. love. Yeah, I haven't seen this guy in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, Eugene Braverock, who played the chief. Yeah. Also, these these three guys, you know, them two and Sammy, they get really, and I know that it might come off as hokey because it, it's silver. It's giving it on a silver platter. But they get these really great lines. Like, they get these really great moments in the movie. And I loved his where he was just like, my land was taken away. And then she's like, by whom? He's like, guy like him. And points to Steve Trevor. Yeah. Just acknowledges it. And yeah. it's not like a, it's not a thing where it's like, let's tell you how to feel, audience. It's like, this is something that the character's going through. It's not a plot-driven. It's a character-driven choice. Yeah. And I thought they were great. Um, uh, Elena... Anaya, I feel like is how you, I forget how you pronounce her name, and I was just watching an interview with her. But Doctor Maru, is that Doctor Poison? Yep. Yeah. What I love about Doctor Poison, and this was something that Jason and Ashley were talking about on their podcast, but it's like Doctor Poison has the potential to become Wonder Woman's Joker, right? Whereas generally, when you're talking about Wonder Woman, you would kind of assume that her Joker is the Cheetah. Right. Barbara Minerva. Mm-hmm. And in the canon of comics, she sort of is. But at the same time, Cheetah doesn't, I don't think, quite fit that role perfectly. Right. I feel like Cheetah's almost more of like a killer croc. I mean, yeah. It's more of like a, like in the video games, it kind of makes sense. But like, yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> I've never quite wrapped my head around like that specific like nemesis relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no. yeah, it was, and also uh, to tie it, Danny Houston's uh, Ludendorff yeah. character. Mm-hmm. Um, someone pointed out that he all it's it's this great movie where he also supports her. Like it's like there it's not like Diana has to fight uh, the patriarchy of like not believing women. It's a, it's an ideology. It's, yeah. I mean, not that that's not an ideology, but it's Wonder Woman fighting for what we believe to be freedom and justice mm-hmm. um, and safety for all because he trusts Dr. Poison. He believes yeah. in her, yeah. you know? Granted, that's inspired by some other colluding forces, which we'll discuss in a second. Mm-hmm. But he does, you know? Like, yeah. And I Dr. thought that Poison was a great is, choice. Yeah. She is the true villain of the piece. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, it turns into Ares. But I think that what's great is that Dr. Poison survives and that Dr. Poison can continue. And what a great name. And mm-hmm. it's like, why wouldn't Dr. Do- I mean, Dr. Poison is from the comics. Yeah. And she was a woman in the comics mm-hmm. as well. It was like, she was, when she was first introduced, she, it was like a, what's the word? It was like a smoke and mirrors. You thought she yep. was a man. And then it was revealed that she was right. a man. And that's, yeah, I love the mask. I love the design of Dr. Poison for this film. Yeah, it was kind of like a Boardwalk Empire-ish. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that was gorgeous, and also I think that she doesn't. She's not evil anymore because we technically have fast forward to the future in Batman v Superman, and people aren't super poisoned. So right, right? unless she's out there building something up, she'd be yeah. old now, right? Yeah. She's not superhuman, is she? She well, no, she could have made a poison that would have kept her alive. Yeah, so yeah, she's Doctor Poison. So yeah, she's Doctor Poison. She's yeah. Doctor Poison. No, she made the poison. Uh, Robin Wright. Oh my god, that was just like... Can we just take a quick second? Just... Let's just take a moment. <laughs> so awesome. So, so awesome. 
Uh, I know that everyone has discussed at length Robin Wright's amazingness in this film, but it's, I don't know if we, we could talk for years, and I don't know if I would be able to fully word how cool it was to see her jump on a shield, mm-hmm. jump in the air, shoot three arrows. I think it's impossible. It was for like me. the first like cheering roar of the audience. Mm-hmm. Just like everyone collectively losing their minds. And I've loved the memes that have been floating of like seeing your childhood princesses grow yep. up to be generals. Yep. Yeah. I put it right there. I put yeah. it right there. Buttercup and Leia. Um, Connie Nielsen is Diana's mom. Apollo. Yeah. Great Sorry. acting. I felt like and because it's not it's this is a very hard genre to get because it's fake history that's what's so weird about it it's like you can't even fall back on like old theater or something it's this theater or it's this history that we kind of invented in like the 50s that we're like this is what rome was like it wasn't really what rome was like but it's how we act like the romans acted yeah. you know we're just like yeah. this is what i imagine they talked like and everything Okay, I get. There's like Roland Barth essays about like how it's like, did they sweat that much, or do we just want to show them being sweaty? You know, like stuff like that. Yeah, I thought she did a great job, and she did. She played that. She towed that caricature, and then played that character so well of her mom. And that last line, the exchange between them, holy smokes, so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that brings us up. Uh, there's a bunch of other people I was discuss, uh, but until we get to Act Three, right now, Gal Gadot. Yeah. Is it Godot or Godot? Is it? Uh, I, I've heard Godot, but I'm wrong Jason and Ashley. Jason like and Ashley. Godot I mean, has it, been the typical right. thing that it seems like everybody's saying. Jason and Ashley both say Godot. Then I'm probably wrong. They probably know. That's the only reason I'm like, oh, it's that. They're DC kids. Yeah. Unless they're just so wrong. Wow, that would be a huge <laughs> twist. Because <laughs> uh, it seems like you'd pronounce that. Gadot. But, but what do I know? Uh, what do I know about Gal Gadot? I thought she did a great freaking job. Yeah, amazing. Crafting this character. Uh, and of course, amazing job costuming, amazing job makeup. Uh, there's so much that goes into a film, and Patty Jenkins just running this incredibly run ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and between them, I, between everyone, I feel like this character came out that... I don't know anyone else or any other combination of people who could pull off that no man's land sequence. That's, I think, one of the greatest sequences of film <laughs> ever. Just her revealing the costume, finally, yeah. standing up, and then knocking that bullet away with the gauntlet to start the sequence off. It was so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've discussed on this podcast before several times my personal history with gun violence and just all the craziness of living in the Bay Area. Yeah. Uh, I That was another moment where I just, the waterworks happened because the image of seeing someone just knock a bullet away. I was not, uh, I didn't go see Superman in theaters when it first came out. I don't think I could because <laughs> I think I'm too young for yeah. seeing it in theaters yeah. when it first came out. Um I can only imagine it was a similar feeling of seeing a hero deflect this thing that is now such a, a daily occurrence and fear in American culture yeah. and just be like, nope, that's not going to stop me from saving people. Right. And yeah. it's oh, such an amazing moment mm-hmm. for that to happen, even though we saw it in the trailers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fantastic. How did you feel about the romance between Steve and Diana and Diana and Steve? 
Here's what I liked about it. Mm-hmm. At no point did I feel like it didn't that that it that it put him in like a higher status than her. And I felt that consistently, even though when it was initially introduced in the boat scene, it was established that she had the higher status in the situation. Mm-hmm. That it was like she wasn't giddy or shy or embarrassed when she saw him bathing. To mm-hmm. her, I think it was just like people are people. people. And that he was respectful. Mm-hmm. And she was, she's like, well, why don't you lay down next to me? And he's like, well, you know, we don't really do that. And she was aware of that stuff. I felt like that scene on the boat kind of established that it was a relationship of respect. Right, right, right. And it was like in no way was she ever inferior to him. Mm -hmm. And even when he was kind of like safeguarding her in his world, I never felt like it came from a perspective of she's not capable. Mm -hmm. I think it came from a perspective of him trying to remain kind of secretive as a spy. Right. And that's the way he was like, oh, it's not like, oh, you need to dress like this because you're a lady. It's like, this is how we're going to blend in. Exactly. Because we need to steal stuff. And so when finally they had the moment where it became romantic, it almost felt like it was, for me, it was so fleeting. And it was so much what I feel like the human person would want. Yeah. Because I think that there's an interesting thing about romance. I know we've talked about this on the podcast before, but that romance existing in storylines is realistic. Mm-hmm. Attraction happens. And even though in film so often it's done in this way that creates this unrealistic expectation or it's often you know a male-dominated mm-hmm. thing and it's like, oh, she's the love interest... But if anything, I didn't really see them as each other's love interest. I saw them as two people who cared about each other and respected each other. And that ultimately, on like a a human level, they just found comfort in each other. It's What did you think about it? It's so funny because I feel like we're almost doing... And and in the future, if if everyone's interested, let us know. Because um, there's a very close study buddy of ours who actually didn't. Uh, enjoy the movie as much and if you'd like to hear opposing viewpoints we could totally have her on and have like a secondary discussion of wonder woman which i think would be super useful who is that super fun i don't want to reveal it right now maybe a surprise guest i'll tell you later (laughs) i feel like even if i mouth it the microphone will pick it up uh interesting yeah um (laughs) but uh it was uh hide and jackal from the mummy movie oh okay yeah okay yeah um <laughs> uh, but um, I I really like this idea, like from Plato. It's from all over the place, but like kind of the what the place that I I think first identified it and was like you know Plato and and Socrates writing of Plato. Uh, the idea that like relationships and romance is between traditionally, I guess, or not traditionally, but you know, two or or persons that challenge each other that challenge each other but also manage to complete each other. Mm -hmm. And that's the complex thing about relationships. And I I really feel like stories just falter when it's not, when it's only one person challenging another. Yeah. When it's someone saving someone else, that's just a one-way challenge. Um, 
and or when it's someone like the manic pixie dream girl of like i'm not interesting oh i met this girl that's quirky great now i'm interesting i that's not a two-way benefit street and it's very uninteresting to me i felt like there was chemistry between steve and diana but that's so hard to do in an action like it's mm-hmm. it's a very sensitive human thing to focus on and to, to get done in only a few pages. And I love that you identified that boat scene because I felt like that boat scene did so much work mm-hmm. of where these people come from. And the challenging in terms of like deeper personal traits, absolutely, but also just in that dialogue, it it's funny. It's funny because it's cute. It's yeah. funny because it's cute and we see... it's. I think also we just acknowledge... We have to laugh because we acknowledge the chemistry yeah. um, of, of that moment where she's just like oh actually i'm not threatened by you i wasn't trying to threaten you know like yeah. i wasn't trying to impose or whatever and then she's just like oh no we know all about likes you know i maybe don't know about sex oh we know all about it in fact i know more than you and then it's not gonna you know like that yeah. back and forth it was like this sparring of wit too that i really like and i don't want to speak too much but like it's sort of like that's closer to my ideal that to me brings me back to like this, like the Humphrey Bogart, Catherine Hepburn mm-hmm. romances of just like not going at each other and being at each other's throats, but these like quick dialogue. Like yeah. that's my ideal cinematic relationship on screen Agreed. and in life, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. of it being almost like a tennis match, like a desk set sort of thing of just like pop, 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 pop back and forth. Uh, and this meaning of the minds where, but you can also just like emotionally connect. Mm-hmm. Um, but you sharpen each other's wits, and that's so. That's something I really appreciated too. Just as a dumb romantic freaking fan, yeah, I wanted to see that, you know. And I know that we only got a taste of it because it's a war film, right? But at the same, you know, I was just like, this is, you know, I love these little moments, these little nuggets mm-hmm. we get. Whereas, like, I feel in like movies like Ant Man, not to trash, not to compare one against the other, but like, I didn't feel like I didn't feel that way in Ant Man. I don't really feel that way in. Uh, I don't feel that way in any other movies that I've seen lately. Yeah, I haven't either. You know, even yeah. to pivot around um, Chris Pine, like even in Star Trek, you know, I don't see, I just don't, I feel like a lot of people who are working on these projects maybe don't feel the same way or just don't know how to pull it off. I think that it's almost like film on that scale, it's hard to wrap your head around. It's like when you're, yeah, you're right. It's not like a theater piece where you're watching it flow together. It's like you're seeing these segmented stories that you really can't even tell if something works until you've shot it. I think you have to look so big that yeah. you sometimes fail. And this is something I think that it was so perfect. Patty Jenkins can handle such a big story, but also keep uh, such a close eye mm-hmm. on something like, on something mm-hmm. so human, which is something that gets lost, which is unfortunate because film is just the art of... of Film, in terms of what we go to theaters to see in the yeah. Western world, is the art of photographing people. Yeah, in motion, it's yeah. them talking, it's them moving, it's them falling in love, falling out of love, um, and that's usually what we center the frame around. And there are, if you want to go see, you know, Berlin, a city in five acts or whatever, sure, yeah, you're going to see less people. Uh, but for the stuff that we usually go to the movie theaters for, that's what it is. And I feel like a lot of time we lose that. Like Rogue One, which I loved. Loved Rogue One, yeah, um, because it did. It was a very important movie for me. Again, leaders that sacrifice themselves in different ways. Because I'm not going to spoil the film. Spoiler: Rogue it. One. Um, like, that's always going to get me. 
That's all it's going to yeah. get me. Just characters making sacrifices in their lives is always just something that's going to get me. But at the same time, I felt like I, I was lacking a little bit of that. It was a little stoic because it's such a big project. Yeah. I don't know if you can keep an eye on that unless you're so good at it. And I feel like Patty Jenkins is so good at it. And the same way that Tarantino and Joss don't let dialogue slip. Yeah. You know, they'll never let dialogue slip in the edit room. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Patty Jenkins just didn't let that relationship slip. No. It's huge. No, and I felt like the dialogue didn't slip in this either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the only the only consistent criticism that I feel like I've heard, but I don't think it was as problematic as certain people made it out to be, was the third act. But the, when they say the third act, I think that they just kind of mean Aries. The last. Yeah. So let's talk about Sir Patrick. Yeah. So the, that was a little... It was a little unpaved. I think that, to me... The who is it mysteries aren't necessarily what I go to things for. Mm-hmm. I love the first two seasons of Veronica Mars. Right. Veronica Mars couldn't really kind of continue with the whole who was it, though I know that that's a big trope of mysteries. So it's like a Twin Peaks sort of situation where yeah. they're like, and here's who the did thing. it? Yeah, and you're like, well, you gotta do it. Who you gotta was say it? it? Yeah. And or like so a I, lost, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. But I think that, <laughs> to me, the reason that the Aries stuff felt flimsy, because to me it... Did. It sure. was it was the stuff in the film. To me, Doctor Poison was the villain, and then Ares right. kind of coming in as the villain was a little not what I think the film necessarily needed. But I think that what it goes back to my greater problem with the cinematic DC universe, mm-hmm. and this problem exists a little bit in the DC comics universe just because it's so sprawling. What I appreciate about Marvel's universe versus DC's universe is Marvel's universe is incredibly consistent. Everything is, in some form, scientific. Right. Even Thor, and this is mostly the cinematic universe, but I think that they kind of translate this into the comics as well, for the most part. Um, Thor as a god, it's that line in Thor where they say, science and magic in my world, Mm -hmm. they are one and the same. That phrase in and of itself to me defines, yes, Thor is able to channel cosmic energies to have an otherworldly superhuman life. Right. He is not necessarily a carved from stone god. What I felt was the biggest problem with Suicide Squad, because if the idea is you're trying to get us to accept this universe as one cohesive thing, there needs to be a consistency. Right. And the fact that Suicide Squad had Enchantress, who was just kind of a miscellaneous mummy person. Right. And when they were doing that briefing where they're like, all right, we got to find all the Suicide Squad people, and she's a miscellaneous mummy person. And it was like, but how? Right. How? And the answer was magic. Mm -hmm. And with Katana, it was like, yeah, all the souls of everyone she's killed is in her sword. And it's like, okay, but what? (laughs) Right. What are you talking about? And... The reason that I think that it was so weird was because it's inconsistent. Mm -hmm. The Superman universe that Zack Snyder set up in Man of Steel didn't touch in mysticism. Mm -hmm. And so in that, when Wonder Woman showed up, she comes from a mystical reality. And the mystical reality, and I'm a huge Greek mythology fan, and I find the way that you deal with Greek mythos very interesting. But I feel that in the modern world to accept gods among us it either needs to do what thor did or do what um stargate did Mm -hmm. which is in stargate they were aliens right 
Ra, everyone, they were the Goa'uld. Goa'uld were a species that has been coming to Earth and making humans think that they are deities. Mm-hmm. And so my question now is, okay, so in the universe of the DC films, does it follow a Grecian origin tale? Like, and first off, Zeus did not create man. Mm-hmm. So that I was kind of like, um, okay. Because Zeus isn't like the god of Abraham. Zeus no. is, Zeus is a, he's the king of the gods, but because he took that role, he was, he was, you know. The, he was Kronos, the first. Yeah, Kronos yeah. and Rhea were far before Zeus. And so, and that Zeus was kind of, and I get that it's, I mean, Zeus is not a good figure and again this is me kind of bringing my own greek mythology baggage to it but that's one of the things i like about Mm -hmm. wonder woman so they did this whole here's the origin of the world thing but i left my the movie with my scratching my head because it was like wait so was she carved of clay (laughs) or was that a story i think that that's also one that you have to dive a little into the comics because they, it's come up recently in some DC stuff, which you can actually check out on Hoopla if, you, if you're so interested Ooh. with a library card. And if your library card works for Hoopla, uh, you can create an account. And you can read Wonder Woman comics for free and find out about Amazing. that backstory. That sounds awesome. But yeah, that's a, that's a really good... And, and Ares was a little tricky because he turned out to not be the god of war, but instead was the god of truth, right? I don't remember that. That was, I mean, maybe that's not necessarily the uh, canonical implications, but in terms of the scene of their discussion, that's what he he was like. I I don't live off of war. I just tell the truth. Yeah. Um. And the idea that human beings are always terrible, and it's a thing where the villain. Again, it's sort of like that issue with like Dark Knight, where like you kind of need the villain to push the hero into a certain place. Mm-hmm. But luckily. I th- and I think that deflates the villain a little bit, but which is the thing that happens in DC movies. But at the same time, I feel like DC movies are really good at having supporting characters push the main characters to truth and justice mm-hmm. um, and glory and morality. And this movie did it the best out of all the DC films. Oh, for sure. And again, I this mean, I think a it's far... DC specific problem because Marvel yeah. also like what's what's up with Guardians? Like, you know, I don't think there's a specific personal relationship between Star Lord and uh, what's his name from <laughs> Guardians One. Um, yeah. but, uh, the, that's going to annoy me. We're recording this so late, <laughs> but Which? the Kree, um, warlord who worked with Thanos played by, um, Lee, what's his name? I'm just losing all of this. My geek cred is just bleeding I, out of my I body. I almost can't even keep track of it anymore because, and this is just a quick thought to get out while you're mm-hmm. scratching your head please, about please. this Marvel mythos is... Trying to make sense of certain comic book stuff, it's like, we adore comic books, we're comic book kids. A lot of stories told in comics only exist on inventing detail Mm -hmm. and inventing something to have a biography. It's almost like world building is more important than character building. Like the Jack Kirby stuff? Right, right. And it's like... Jack Kirby, great. But like, yeah, there's so much stuff where you're just like, this is going into a visionary handbook yeah. yeah right or even the chris claremont x-men stuff it's like 
those are some really interesting storylines, and I like how they're represented in the animated series more than I like how they're represented in the actual comic books, because so much of the comic books, I feel like, are dense beyond understanding. Mm -hmm. And I think that the issue with... Like, I remember one time I had to... I was tasked at Marvel to, like, attempt to rewrite the biography on the website of Wolverine. (sighs) Good luck. And it was... It was so convoluted and nonsensical mm-hmm. and yes you're try- trying to reconcile all these different timelines of a character that of these characters that are just being reinvented and reinvented and reinvented but I think that you know they have, keep on having to just reboot all these universes you know, yeah, to exactly. start them again you know what the backstory of Wolverine is he showed up at Xavier's like Xavier was like you want to be part of my school and he's like sure right. and he looked like a cat yeah. he honestly looked like a cat yeah right <laughs> that's the origin story of wolverine for me right it's like hey do you want to do this yeah mm-hmm. that's great totally. what about all his wives yeah i don't really uh trouble myself with too much with that stuff i he just showed it like xavier was like hey you're a mutant he was like yeah i guess i am right <laughs> right I, I i didn't realize it as i was dressed like a cat <laughs> i'm glad you brought it to my attention <laughs> professor xavier <laughs> oh my god who like what like weeks before professed his love to like gene gray or something or no, he didn't profess his love he was just like i'm in love with gene gray and i can never say it creepy weird weird yeah but the um oh but the thing about the marvel thing is it's like the marvel movies are i think kind of leaning into the world building thing a little mm-hmm. too much and a little too far and the dc films they're not sturdy about it either but what i think that wonder woman showed them especially with its success which is awesome yes is that you can do this mm-hmm. you can make a movie that does not rely on your other films mm-hmm. it just relies on itself and so yes it closed it closed out having a movie end without any like teaser or tag I mean, it had, like, the frame story with, like, Bruce Wayne. Sure, but I feel like that didn't do... It wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to see what comes next. Right. And I like that. I really like a movie that's, like, that doesn't have the need. And I feel like Marvel... It was so... Here's the thing about Marvel movies. They were so fun that they did that. Mm-hmm. But that's what it was. It was fun. It's not a thing that you have to, like... I don't know, like, we can go on, and I haven't seen it yet, but, like, I've read everything about The Mummy that just came out this last weekend. Oh, God. And this whole, like... And I didn't realize... They use a giant framing device of Russell Crowe. Like it's not like it, like later you find out that Russell Crowe is doing a thing. It's like a huge part of the Mummy movie is like we're gonna start setting this stuff up. And I'm just like, who's yeah. Russell Crowe gonna be? He's Hyde and Jekyll. Okay, because they're doing this whole like uh, this like dark mar- universal. Universe. Is is Dracula Untold part of that? Or are they just trying to ignore what a great that question. movie happened? Apparently, they're trying to ignore Dracula Untold and Wolfman. But you can just include them. You had those actors, and I don't imagine these movies are going to be too much better than Dracula Untold. I mean, how is is Mummy being just hit by reviews hard? People don't like it. It's pretty low. I mean, it looked like crap. <laughs> You're not going to mince words there. And I'm gonna... not, and I, and I have no sympathy for Tom Cruise. You have no sympathy for Tom Cruise? None. Um, damn good actor, though. I suppose, I guess, if you were to push me, I don't know if I would have sympathy for him. I guess not. Also, I'm a huge Nicole Kidman fan. A disgusting Nicole Kidman fan. Yeah. So, um, you know where my loyalties lie. Yeah. But, um, I... I, uh, Speaking of strong Batman films, Batman Forever. Yeah. I love Batman Forever. (laughs) But in terms of Wonder Woman, um, I I did, while I... Yeah, I agree. I agree that the the villain stuff is a little divorced, and I don't want to be like this Max Landis 
kind of person that's like, well, if I could have done it, here's what I would have done. If I could have done it, here's what I would have done. I wouldn't have made the freaking movie because no one would have trusted me. Patty Jenkins would have made the movie and I would have podcasted about it because that's exactly what happened. It's stupid to discuss what I would have done. Um, but, uh, but I feel like I wonder, I wonder if there is something to be said for introducing the twist of a villain, maybe at the beginning of act three to give you more time to then form a relationship. You still get that twist, but then you don't have to rush it until the last 10 minutes, which I feel a lot of these comic book movies do. I feel like they feel forced to be like, oh, by the way, Iron Man, I'm the bad guy. Although that one... In Iron Man 1, I feel like that happened at the beginning of Act 3, and that yeah. allowed it to be a little bit more. We got some time to breathe and develop that, instead of mm-hmm. it being one beat, right? Yeah. Of, like, surprise, now fight me. Yeah, the sneak ally reveal. Like, Star Wars movies yeah. do that really well. I feel like the third act starts with the villain, and then they have to, like, gear up, get in the X-Wings, figure out what to do, right? I think that's a good example. <laughs> yeah, you, got, you should begin it. It's almost like the lowest low moment should come from the realization that what your true threat is mm-hmm. and how hard it's going to be to stop it. I feel like you don't have to like, yeah, you don't have to end act two at freaking 10 minutes before your movie. No. Not People that this... have been doing that a lot. It's yeah, almost it's... kind of been like a lot of act twos have just been, it's almost like there's no act three. Act three is just climax. It's so true. That's exactly, yeah. yeah. And so I feel like that's in there, but in general, we can talk about pacing like day and night. We weren't there and we don't know what's on the cutting room floor. At the end of the day though, I love that Diana sets out to fight war and free humanity and and we it's this almost like uh poetic irony because we know that she's not she can't do that because she has to fight with batman she has to be in the justice league Mm -hmm. and her learning that it's not that and having her heart broken i think is something we all go through especially for children watching this movie and Mm. seeing what's going on in the world right now it's something that we go through and then for her to see the example of steve and learn from it mm-hmm. and learn that, which I think is something we all need to know as well. We are the problem. Yeah. Like maybe it's us too. And I loved his speech and I thought it was a great performance mm-hmm. when he's like, but it's me. He's like, I know it's not you, but it is me. Yeah. Maybe it's me mm-hmm. and I need to do something. And I think that it was, it starts with a girl on an Island that's kept away from the rest of, you know, earth rest of humanity and then when she's there i think that she also accepts that it's her too even if it's not her fault Mm -hmm. even if this stuff isn't on her and i don't think she's like looking down on everyone because of it right i think she becomes a hero because she becomes a part of humanity yeah and she accepts that and i think that's such a good at the end of the day cgi villain or whatever even though i freaking loved the dark souls like melt your mask and then cut the whole eye holes out i was like that's oh i was down oh yeah i was down i was down with that Mm -hmm. everything you just said i was down with honestly the only thing i have issue with about the aries little mythy stuff it's just mythy stuff absolutely that's a good just what is it man it just is this is such a strong choice Mm -hmm. what is the greater implication because it wasn't like a one two three where it's like zeus did this and then because of this this is how we now feel about it it's not like an alt universe yeah it was a pantheon little, yeah. right and and when hippolyta said it's just a story was it hippolyta or yeah, was it yeah, antiope yeah. who said it i forget uh no it was her mom oh she's like that's just a story Diana. yeah i was like okay was it though yeah and maybe it's meant to leave us wondering but i was unclear as to the level right. the level of magic and mythos and how it is used. Mm-hmm. And then the reintroduction of Ares made me 
feel like it didn't quite yeah. answer that question. Although I really like those those first few like sort of practical effects of him just appearing and then disappearing in the windows and stuff. Oh, I was definitely down I with was how like, they did. Ooh, Ghost Aries. Yeah, I, I had no Ghost problem Aries. with how Patty Jenkins portrayed it. But I see, yeah, 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 more so how it was written. Oh, sure, yeah. absolutely. That's yeah, that's such a good. So our time is wrapping up. Uh, mm-hmm. They've been so. We, we told the library that we were going to do a Wonder Woman talk, and they're like, take all the time you need. But mm-hmm. at the same time, we don't want to be rude. We want to show grace uh, and, and appreciation. Um, so we'll wrap this up in a second. But before we do, just want to give two shout-outs because we asked on Twitter what people thought. We got a, we got two great responses. Mike, our good friend Mike, mm-hmm. uh, if you want to please follow him, at Tiki Machine, T-I-K-I Machine. And if you're like, who exactly is Mike? You know all those amazing Buffy posters that you see everywhere of, like, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes is one of yeah. his. Yeah. Um, he does a great kill by death. Yeah. Uh, and he just We got a bunch of his stuff at Weed and Con. Mm-hmm. And also just... St- Super nice guy, yeah. super awesome guy, mm-hmm. just a great guy. Dingo ate my baby. Uh, yeah. Buttons, yeah, those are so good. So I, I have it on my bag, and I took all buttons off my bag, and I was like, "This one is." This, I'm putting this one on because it's so good. Um, he said, "The more I think about it, the more I love it. It's not a perfect film, but it is amazing." Yeah. And then he followed that up with, "There's so much to enjoy, but undercurrent of sincerity, nobility, bravery, and compassion is such a breath of fresh air." Plus, Warrior Woman! Exclamation point. So well put. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so well put. Um, and then we also got a uh, a response from our buddy Night Shadow Zero on Twitter, who is pumping out some of the best Nerdy Worms films you're ever gonna see. Yeah, everyone's pump- everyone who does Nerdy Worms is making the best Nerdy Worms you'll ever see, and I'm so proud of them. That's awesome. Everyone's doing such a good job. Everyone's doing such a good job at Nerdy Worms. Hashtag Nerdy Worms. No vowels except for that Y. Um, and that's a sometimes one too. But he said she would totally win against Thor. I loved the Hemsworth that. response. Did he respond? I didn't see his. Oh, response. he responded. And was he like, "Yep"? He said he, uh, his exact words, and there were some asterisks. But he said uh, she would kick his ass. I think she would kick his ass. And then Gal responded, "I always knew you're a smart man." And something like, "We should team up." Amazing. And I was just like, "I oh. loved the video where they asked her." Yeah. Oh my God. Was it Katie Kirk? <laughs> yeah. She's like, what would you say to him? I'd say, they asked me if Thor or Wonder Woman. I think it's a Wonder Woman. Don't you think so, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And he responded. And I, oh, that made me so happy because those are like, one, Diana and Thor are just two characters that I'm just like, tanks. I love these tank characters that aren't mm-hmm. like, I love these like noble tank characters who are striving for nobility leadership. Because yeah. like Hulk's great, but he's not like a leaner <laughs> unless you can't like Hulk smash or whatever. Uh, I but, wouldn't. okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh so those are great responses thank you guys so much and if you have any follow if anyone else has any follow-up uh responses or ideas about wonder woman or thoughts feelings you want to share tweet them at ssga podcast we're always happy to share those um but in terms of uh let's leave some some lasting you know how we in angel we do like los angeles lessons, lessons. let's do like a wonder woman lesson what, what, how about um wonder woman wisdom Wonder Woman wisdom. Yeah. What's what's okay. a Wonder Woman wisdom you walked away from this film with? Hmm. What's a Wonder Woman wisdom that I walked away with from this film? Hmm. I would say... Hmm. Oh, God, so much. Okay. Maybe this long... I say, hey, I think. mean, it's okay. a lot to take away from yeah. the movie. Mm-hmm. Um... I can only speak from my perspective. Sure. 
growing up, it's so interesting because Xena and Buffy and the Bride and even Celine from Wonder World, these were my heroes. Mm-hmm. More ultimately, maybe the Fellowship of the Ring sure. might represent like my main typical male heroes. But as a youth, it was not. There was just female warrior heroes have always been kind of the thing that I right. worshipped. I know it's just kind of in a fanboy sense, mm-hmm. and. I think that this is an important this it's an it's very incredibly important for all of us to get to see Wonder Woman just because Diana's a great character. It's inspiring to see these young girls at Comic Con and stuff like that already starting to just like be so inspired by her. And I think that also similarly it's going to be good for a generation of young boys to get to grow up with Wonder Woman and to see that she is, I I hope that it helps turn the tide of just history in some form. I completely agree. Does that make sense? Yeah, there is. I mean, Patty, the the story from uh, like I think it was a kindergarten teacher. I might be wrong. I'll have to double check. And we'll retweet it from from Sunnydale mm. City Group when this comes out. But um, that Patty Jenkins retweeted one of the boys who's obsessed with Iron Man, which I think is hey, I'm from the. I'm from Silicon Valley. My dad's an engineer. I think Iron Man's a pretty cool, a pretty cool hero. Um, but he had an Iron Man lunchbox, and, tri- and the next day he came back with a Wonder Woman lunchbox. Yeah. Which growing up, and I, I don't want to like keep harping on this, but like we're not exactly old guys in any stretch of imagination. <laughs> um, we're recording this at midnight on a weeknight, and we had gotten beers before this. Uh, so, <laughs> so really, I don't want to frame and it soup. that way. And we got and pad thai. Some really good pad thai. But um, <laughs> I don't want to frame it necessarily in saying, like, oh, we're so old. And really, it might even speak more that we're not that old. I can't imagine coming to school with uh, a Wonder Woman lunchbox and not being ridiculed. And I would have done it. Like, I was totally. And, like, even when I was, like, even when we were kids and Buffy was out and I would I tell was people I like Buffy. By I was my ridiculed. friends. Yeah, exactly. I would wear, like, a Buffy shirt and they were just like, why are you wearing a girl or whatever? Yeah. Which is such a dumb thing. It's such a weird thing to say. Oh, no, I was... And I love the constantly yeah. ridiculed for my emasculinity. Right, and that was like a, such a big, and that wasn't that long ago. And hearing this story is so inspiring because that's just such wasted energy. That's so dumb. Yeah, and it just also doesn't make sense. Where like I don't know, we, we'll get into it later for more stuff. But I've got a fun little story to just kind of show the hypocrisy. But that's great. I think it's solid. That's solid. Wonder Woman yeah. wisdom. I would say mine. My big takeaway. I'll say the general umbrella one, and then I'll dive a little bit deeper into it. Yeah. The general umbrella, for me, walking out of that movie, I was just like, I want to be nicer to strangers. And I like I, I usually try to hold doors open and stuff like that, but seeing how she just interacted with people so candidly and so openly and was so warm, but also wanted to listen to people's problems, and she let them affect her, which is something that I feel like as you become an adult, you sort of become like Trevor. Like, we have a war to fight. Like, we can't focus on these people. And she was like, no, that's not good enough for me. It was that was something I took away was I need to be more vulnerable and more polite and respectful to strangers without getting trampled on or anything like that, right? Like we live in sort of a toxic climate right now with everything going on in America. Yeah. And not to say like, oh, let's just give up and like concede. I don't mean that at all. But I mean to show respect to people, even if you don't expect any 
back, not saying disrespect, but not res- because that sets an example. And it's not just something I learned from Diane in this movie, but also Steve and all those guys that they travel with, all the characters you meet, really, who are making sacrifices in their own way and having their own struggles. Um, I was so inspired by those individual storylines. And I think it's really important to not just stand as an example or try to provide an example of respect and decency and grace um, and respect, but also to accept examples that you see. When you see someone being kind or someone's kind to you, I know that now we're just like, I don't know how to accept compliments. And like after this movie, like I'm going to accept every compliment someone gives me. And I'm just going to like look them in the eye and say, thank you. Like a genuine mm-hmm. thank you because I don't want any act of kindness to get lost. No. Uh, and so that was kind of my, that's my Wonder Woman wisdom. I love it. And if you have Wonder Woman wisdom, you can hashtag Wonder Woman wisdom and send it over to SSG podcast. Again, that's SSG podcast, as well as posting it on our Facebook at mm-hmm. Sunnydale study group on Facebook. Or if you want to go ahead and tag us on Instagram, we love that. That's yeah. the Sunnydale study group on Instagram as well. Feel free to do that. Uh, Chris, where can they find you? Hey guys, my name is Chris Primondi. You can find me as a Montioc on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Hyper RPG, where I host The Gauntlet. I'm with a musical improv troupe, Robot Teammate. Uh, possibly, I mean, if you are out there listening and you're in LA and you want to come see our new musical, Turbulence, please do. That'd be awesome. I'll be there Wednesday night. Awesome. Excellent. Thank you for coming. Uh, and then, yeah, Robot Teammate, we stream on Geek and Sundry, and yeah. Um, you know, we might have some interesting Hamilton's news coming up. Very exciting. For now, you can find me with Omar on this podcast. <laughs> you can find Where me on find this you, podcast. Omar? Uh, you can find me here at SSG, as well as on my own Twitter at Omar Najam. I am now putting up the Nerdy Worms videos Great. Um, on Two Broke Geeks on YouTube. So if you want to participate, watch people's, you know, super, the, the idea is making movies should be like doodling. We all have camera. Most of us have cameras, or we have some technology. And even if you just have a pencil and paper, you can make a movie. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. so just have fun with it. Sketch it. Don't worry about making it look Hollywood perfect. Because honestly, that Hollywood perfect is a fluid term that doesn't even mean anything. Watch any Tony Scott film and tell me that that's Hollywood perfect. Yeah. Um, so we're doing that over at Two Broke Geeks. I'm also doing Hoopla videos where I throw up and just make recommendations because we were doing Hey, that's on Netflix. But the thing is, Hoopla's free, whereas Netflix costs money. So I'd rather, if it's too brokey, because I'd rather talk about the free service. Exactly. And the next video I'm putting up is a Wonder Woman special. Awesome. That tells you sort of like how to, for free, train yourself to be like Wonder Woman. Um, and then you can also find my improv team uh, at Lessons Swimming um, on Lesson, or Swimming Lessons Improv, I believe, on Facebook and Lessons Swimming on Instagram. And we have shows every odd Friday at the clubhouse at 8 o'clock. And awesome. then every second thursday at 8 30 at uh, ucb sunset awesome. so we we're performing and we'd love to they're free. again those shows are free all this is free everything's free except for some stuff that you mentioned <laughs> like fringe we have to get tickets right yeah. <laughs> uh i have an idea we have these fortune cookies shall we open them and read our fortune and see if they're applicable to our lives and or wonder let's, woman let's do it this is the joy of podcasting where you can just have something like this just happen all right, mine's. A few days later, the media goes up. Your lucky number for the week is eight. Wait a minute. That's it. <laughs> That's your fortune? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to have to find out, right? We're recording this on a Monday. Yeah. Uh, this will go up at some point in the week, so you want to report back to us next you know week what? and tell I'm us I'm going to let you guys eight... know what happened with eight. Okay, great. Uh, so, guys, keep an eye out for eight. Mine says, now is the best time for you to be spontaneous. Great.
I'm gonna hold on to that. That's an evergreen fortune cookie, right? Is, I'll yeah. just frame that. I'll put it in my wallet every time I want to be spontaneous. I'll just look at it. Exactly. I think now is always a good time to be spontaneous. And you know what? Eight, great number. Because mm-hmm. you know what? It kind of sounds like great. Yeah, that's true. Some people spell it G R and then the number eight numerical. So yeah, there you go. That kind of went together. All right, guys. Uh, again, if you have any other, if you have thoughts that you want to share with us, please send them over. Hashtag, again, I just want to say, because we came up with it, and I love it. Hashtag Wonder Woman Wisdom. We'll you be came back. up with it. Uh, no, it's, anything that happens in the podcast I also is because of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week, guys, returning to our normal schedule. Sorry that we've been off for so long. Fringe work, <clears throat> which you'll yeah. hear about more in our normal sessions. Yeah, we'll catch you up got, on life. Yeah, Omar has an epic new job, and I... You just put up a play, and I'm... At the Los Angeles Fringe Festival. It's pretty insane. It's tough. Yeah, it's a lot of work. But it's fun. It's great. And we do it because we chose to. (laughs) Because we said we would, and we didn't get degrees and other stuff. Um, (laughs) We made it this far. All right, guys. We hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Um, and, and, and we'll be back later, and we're going to keep talking about Angel and Buffy and have a blast, and we're going to kick off the summer if you live in our hemisphere. We're going to have a great time. This is all good things. All good things. All All right. Have a wonderful, safe week. We'll talk to you later.